Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, future paleontologists. I'm Dinosaur George, and welcome to the podcast. I hope you are all doing well, and I hope everybody's staying nice and bundled up and warm. If you live where it's cold, if it's hot where you are, well, I hope you're staying cool. I hope everybody is doing well. This is podcast number 96. Um, Currently, we have 1,036,577 downloads of this podcast, which I'm honored over that number. I'm heard in 177 countries and 14,727 cities throughout the world. I am recording and streaming this podcast live on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. And if any of you would like to watch the podcast as well as listen, you're welcome to go over there. You can become a, a group member. It is totally free. It is a very safe place. We try our very best to keep it family friendly and to keep it a safe environment because we know that the Internet is not always safe. And so we try to give you a place where you can where you can uh, go and post your pictures and your comments. And now you get a chance to maybe watch a couple of these podcasts. Uh, And if not, you can, of course, continue to listen to them, as many of you are doing now. You know, one of the things that I hear a lot, I hear a lot from um, uh, people that write to me about the podcast is a lot of you listen to the podcast when it's time for you to go to bed. And um, it's, it's funny because one time I was at a school and a young man walked up to me and he said, Dinosaur George, you put me to sleep every night. And I went, well... You mean my voice is that boring? <laughs> but I knew exactly what he meant. I knew exactly what he meant. And and by the way, for you parents out there, I am absolutely honored that you allow your children to listen to my podcast. I'm honored by that. And I want you to know I take that very, very seriously, that you feel uh, comfortable with letting me spend time with your children when it comes to the podcast. I'm honored by that. And therefore, I make it very, very, uh, very much part of my day to ensure that um, uh, that the subject matter is family friendly. I I will tell you something. Once my podcast hit a million downloads, I started getting inundated by people who are wanting to pay me to put ads in this podcast. And obviously, there are bills I have to pay to be able to do this. But I am doing everything I can not to do that because I want complete control over what is being promoted through this. I don't want a company to come in, become a sponsor, and the next thing you know, they're advertising um, uh, real sugary drinks or things that are not the healthiest for kids. So I want all of you parents and and grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and guardians, I want you all to know that I do take this position very seriously and the fact that you allow me to interact with your family 
means a lot to me. Okay, a couple of things I wanted to re- to remind you about. Um, there is definitely um, uh, a way you can help support me, and that's becoming a Patreon Club member. And so uh, if you do join one of the Patreon Clubs, there's three Patreon Clubs. There's one that's a dollar a month, one that's $5 a month, one that's $10 a month. All of these, if you go to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com, you can look down halfway down on the page and you can see the Patreon Club link and you can join there. But one of the things I wanted to mention is if you join the $5 or the $10 club, um, uh, hey, uh, Marley, the, the podcast is called Dinosaur George Kids. And if you go to um, my website, dinosaurgeorge.com, You'll see a link. You can listen to the podcast through there. Uh, And we'll also put a link later in this. Um, In fact, if by any chance my uh, director of marketing happens to to pick up this live broadcast, um, Alexis, if you do happen to hear this, if you can put us a link to the podcast, that'd be great. Um, But um, anyway, uh, thank you very much, Williams family. Anyway, if you do join the $5 club, which is the Raptor Club, or the $10 club, which is the T-Rex Club, you get a welcome gift. But I want you all to know that we usually mail those out at the start of each month. So let's say you join today. You may not get your welcome gift until, um, until the end of this month. So I just I want you all to be aware of that, okay? And also, if you do become a member, please make sure to add your address to your Patreon sign up so that we can uh, so that we can send it to you. All right. I uh, this podcast, this subject today, the the subject of this podcast or the uh, feature creature is Tyrannosaurus macriensis. But before I tell you about that amazing discovery, I have something I have to do to make up to a lot of people. As a T-Rex member of the Patreon Club, you get a birthday shout-out in the month of your birth. Well, I cannot believe this, but I forgot to do December's birthdays. I did did August, September, October, November, January. My birthday is in December. Would somebody like to tell me how I could have forgotten to do birthday shout-outs? You know what it was? My birthday is so important to the world. That nobody else mattered but me? Uh, or, Or I forgot. I'll go with I forgot. So I have to make up. I have to make up for all of that. So for all of you Patreon Club T Rex members, I am incredibly sorry. So here is my makeup to you. First, Wyatt, cha 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 raptor Wyatt, turned five on December 10th. S-Raptor, Sean, my good buddy, turned 11 on December 27th. Tycho Tutiranodon, what a great name, turned 6 on December 27th. Henry Raptor turned 9 on December 11th. And by the way, Henry Raptor got a Christmas gift um, uh, last year. So this was his first year of getting a shout out. And what do I do? I make it, I make it a month late. Can you imagine that? Julianosaurus Rex turned nine on December the 8th. Spinonorosaurus turned six on December 30th. Velociraptor Robert turned eight on the 7th. 
Trinosaurus turned 12 on December 3rd. Olin Ceratops turned 7 on December 12th. Wyatt Meeks turned 7 on December the 11th. Nathan Saurus Rex Raptor turned 6 on December 14th. And Nathan mentioned to me, happy birthday. Thank you, buddy. That's very kind of you. Pterodactylus turned 6 on December 6th. Awesome. Teddy Rex turned 4 on December 27th. Judasaurus turned 5 on December 2nd. Indominus Javier Dobson or Rex Xavier, if you pronounce it that way, uh, you live in in Australia. I bet it's it's I bet it's Xavier. Turned six on December first, and I am so and I'm glad that you were excited about hearing it. I'm so sorry all the way in 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 uh, um all the way in Australia. I um I I'm glad you got your shout out. Connor Rostanotis from Sydney, Australia's birthday was on the twenty second. He turned nine. Charlottesaurus turned seven on December thirteenth. Uh, Ved, Ved D turned eight. I mean, turned five on December the eighth. Thank you. And it's very nice of you to wish me a happy birthday. Everett Raptor turned six on December seventh. Uh, Gentry Tranosaurus is uh, turned five on December 25th. Megaleodon turned eight on December 28th. Dino David turned six on December 2nd. Uh, that his his birthday gift was from his nana was this uh, 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 um, a membership. That's so cool. Holden hold on Holden Notosaurus <laughs> turned ten on December eighth. Nadiosaurus turned seven on December twenty fourth. Dimason Odon Dimason Don turned seven on December twenty first. Uh, Maury Ceratops turned four on October the 30th, but, but I didn't get to that. I don't think I got to that. Mycosaurus, who lives in, uh, Abu Dubai turned, uh, oh, so it was birthday was on the seventh. Sagesaurus turned four on December 24th. Wyatt Raptor turned four on December 19th. Hunter Rex turned five in late November. I missed his and Zane turned nine on the eighth. And finally, uh, Emilio Raptor had a birthday. He turned 147 years old. All right. So, was I close, Emilio? 147? I think that's correct. And hey, everybody, Shelby, Shelby, those of you that see Shelby uh, Young's name on my thing, Shelby is the manager of our museum and store out at Traders Village. And um, And by the way, to the Davis family, uh, a 10 and 7-year-old, um, and, uh, oh, good. Your birthday's December two. Very good. And Emilio turned 11. I thought you turned 48. What do I know? What do I know? So for all of you that are members of the, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex club and Patreon, I apologize profusely. If I missed yours, please send us a message through Patreon so I can get that updated and get you caught up so for all of you i am so incredibly sorry i tell you what i'm gonna do i am going to go get cha-cha-cha raptor i am going to attempt to sing happy birthday to you all so since i am doing this and you can watch this for those of you that want to see 
who Cha 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 Raptor is. Hold on a moment while I go get him. I need to step away from the mic and go get him out of his cage. Hang on. get my headphones back on. All right. I don't know if this is a good idea. As a matter of fact, it's never a good idea. But I'm going to try it. This never goes very well. So this time I actually had Cha-Cha-Cha in a cage where I could see where he was. And I've gone ahead and I've taken him out of the cage and he is sitting on my lap. Again, you can go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. I know, Gemma. I know I shouldn't do it. Susie Soros, I know you're both screaming, don't do it. I, I know I shouldn't. But I'm going to try because I figure he's been locked up for a while. He's probably perfectly fine. Uh, I think he's going to be absolutely fine. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me see if I can sing happy birthday to all of the December uh, members who I failed to give in a timely manner. It's worth the risk. Here we go. All right. Happy birthday. <laughs> Get him off of me. Get him off of me. <laughs> Ow. Good grief. That was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Why, Why did I do that? I knew, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I know Gemma warned me. Shelby warned me. Everybody warned me. Okay. Anyway, to all of you out there who I missed, happy birthday to you. Okay, let's uh, jump into our feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. All right, today's lesson is on the discovery of a new Tyrannosaur, one called Tyrannosaurus macriensis. All dinosaurs have a first and last name. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me say that before. All dinosaurs have a first and last name. So, um, like, for instance, Tyrannosaurus is its first name. Rex is its last name, the more popular one. This one's first name is also Tyrannosaurus, but its last name is Macriensis. So, it's, it's called genus and species names. All dinosaurs have a first and last name, genus and species. First name is the genus name, last name is the species. So, for instance, there could be more than one dinosaur with the same first name. An example of that is Stegosaurus. There is Stegosaurus stenops, stenops being its species name. Uh, there is Stegosaurus armatus. I think that's still a valid name. Armatus is its last name. Stegosaurus undulatus, if that's still valid. So you see, some dinosaurs can have the same first name. Well, in the case of Tyrannosaurus, we have two Tyrannosauruses, Tyrannosaurus rex and Tyrannosaurus macriensis. Now, this dinosaur 
just to give you some information, it is a carnivore, so it eats meat. Um, it. I wonder if a carnivore eats cars. Carnivore? Carnivore. Anywho, how come it's not called a meativore? There should be meativores, planivores, planimetivores, and kidivores. They only eat candy. So this is a carnivore. It is bipedal, meaning it walks on two legs, not on four. It's bipedal. It walks on two legs. It lived during the late Cretaceous period between 73 and 71 million years ago. It was discovered in New Mexico. This thing is pretty big between uh, around 12 meters long, which is 39 feet long. And it was discovered in 1983. Now, when they found this animal, not much of it was there, only some skull material. Not much was there. So when they found it, they only had a few bones to study. And at the time, they knew it was a Tyrannosaur, so they thought it might be Tyrannosaurus rex. Well, they discovered later it's not. What they discovered is this animal's name was a new species, and so the name was given Tyrannosaurus macriensis. To understand Tyrannosaurus, you have to look at their family tree. We call it a family tree because there are branches. So each branch sort of represents another animal from that group, from that particular tree. You have a family tree. You can look up your parents, their parents, their parents, and so on and so on. That makes up your family tree. Well, the looking at the tyrannosaurs, under the tyrannosaur group, only one of those animals is named Tyrannosaurus. There is Tarbosaurus, Lythronax, Teratophonius, Despletosaurus. Those are all members of the Tyrannosaur family. Now, before this dinosaur was described, and what it means to be described is that you've done research on the animal and explained why it's a new species, the animal between Tyrannosaurus rex and the one that came before it was one called Lythronax. Well, it turns out that the discovery of Tyrannosaurus macriensis, that dinosaur fits between. It fits between them. And so now you see Lythronax, but now you see a branch listing Tyrannosaurus macriensis and then Tyrannosaurus rex. Now, what's really amazing about Tyrannos- Tyrannosaurus macriensis, again, it, it was discovered in New Mexico. Now, during the late Cretaceous, there was an ocean that went kind of through um, uh, through the um, uh, through the central part of North America. And so this dinosaur would have been living along that shoreline. That's where it lived is along what was close to the ocean. Probably didn't spend time in the ocean. It probably spent time along the shore because one of the things that the ocean does is that it brings in a lot of moisture. And so you have a lot more vegetation. More vegetation means more plants. More plants mean more plant eaters. More plant eaters means bigger meat eaters. So it's probably spending a lot of its time along that general area of the shoreline. Now, in I told you it was discovered in 1983, but in the year 2024, this year is when the paper came out, they realized that the bones that they did find were 
different than the bones of Tyrannosaurus Rex. They realized they were not the same. And the other thing that's amazing is this dinosaur lived three to five million years before the age of before Tyrannosaurus Rex. So this is a definite link between early Tyrannosaurs and what was the later Tyrannosaurus, which is Tyrannosaurus Rex. But this dinosaur is almost the same size. It has some differences, but it's almost the same size. That means there's probably a bunch of other Tyrannosaurs that have yet to be discovered. So, um, one of the problems with this particular fossil is that the bones were somewhat deteriorated and they were very, um, they were very scattered and broken up. And so there wasn't a lot of them there. What they found, and if you happen to be watching this live feed or if you want to go back and watch the recording, I am dem- I'm putting a picture up right now of the bones that were found. For those of you that are watching this, it is the white colored parts of the skull that they found. For those of you listening, they found part of the lower jaw. They found some of the bones of the skull itself. Well, what they did is they compared each bone to that of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And from that, they were able to tell that they were a little bit different. For those of you that want to uh, watch this podcast right now, I am posting pictures of the bone and then pictures of the um, of the correlating bone from a Tyrannosaurus. You can see the differences. You can see like picture A is different from picture B and picture D is different from picture E. That demonstrates that the bones were different. Here's another picture if you're watching. Um, picture E is of our our new Tyrannosaur. Picture E2 is from a modern, uh, from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The bone on picture F1 is that of our uh of our new species and the one below is that of Tyrannosaurus Rex. So by comparing each bone to a Tyrannosaurus Rex, paleontologists were able to determine that this was indeed a new species and therefore it got its name. And um, there's the number of things that are different. One of the things that's really kind of cool is that it's jaw. It's, it's, Jaw. And by the way, for everyone out there, um, just just an FYI, jaw is the word that we generally use, but the correct term is mandible. There are there are two parts of the skull of most animals, the skull, which is everything else, and then the mandible. Now, in dinosaurs, there's lots of bones named, but the mandible is its lower jaw. That's that's what I'm looking for. Well, what's kind of cool about the lower jaw is that it was more slender, meaning a little bit thinner, and it had a bigger curve to it. Now, that's probably an adaptation or an evolutionary change that helped it feed or at least be successful within its environment. Animals will change based on their environment. Animals will change based on their environment. For instance, giraffes grew taller over time because the trees grew taller. And since the trees are growing taller, the tallest giraffe gets the food. And therefore, it's the healthiest. 
And therefore, it's more likely that it's going to have children, offspring, young. And because it's tall, its offspring will be tall. And so that happens over and over and over until you get giraffes as tall as they are today. Well, we see those same changes within animals in the fossil record where they're either either becoming taller or in the case of tyrannosaurs, their arms are becoming shorter. Now, they did not find the arms of Tyrannosaurus macriensis. My guess is its arms might be a little bit longer than those of Tyrannosaurus rex. Why? Because it lived five to seven million years earlier. Its earlier ancestors, if we go back and we look at some of the images of the Tyrannosaur family, the arms of some of these dinosaurs were a little bit longer than the arms of Tyrannosaurus rex. And so that suggests that they had long arms or their ancestors had long arms at one time and that their arms were getting smaller because the skulls were getting larger. They didn't use their arms to catch their prey. They used their mouth. And the bigger the mouth, the more likely they could catch more prey. So the jaw difference is probably an adaptation that was good for Tyrannosaurus macriensis, but Tyrannosaurus rex went a different route and it became a different uh, it became a different shape for Tyrannosaurus rex. So that happens. Now the other thing that Tyrannosaurus macriensis does not have are what we call hornlets. Over the eyes of a tyrannosaur on the top of its skull are little raised bumps. They're not like the horns of, of, um, uh, uh, my gosh, my mind just went, Carnotaurus. They're not like the big, thick horns of Carnotaurus. They're not as pronounced as those hornlets on Allosaurus, but Tyrannosaurus has them. Well, this one didn't have them. And so, again, that is an adaptation, an evolutionary change that, um, For whatever reason, it didn't want them or need them. Now, what are the functions of them? Probably not a weapon. Probably used as a way to identify who you are by your face. Like when we look at each other, we all look different. We can recognize each other. You know, cows can recognize the face of another cow. I know that's weird because when you look at a herd of cows, they all look the same, right? Some of them are almost identically colored. And you go, how do they know who's who? They can identify each other's face. I know when I was a kid, I grew up on a ranch. We raised cows. I can tell you everything about cows. And so cows recognize through facial recognition. Well, dinosaurs probably did as well. And therefore, the little hornlets might have been something. Maybe they were brightly colored. Maybe a females were colored yellow and maybe a males were colored red. We don't know. There's no way to know these things. At least right now, we don't know. But um uh, so they lacked those hornlets and therefore that would suggest that they didn't need those hornlets. They didn't, they didn't need those things. So, um, anyway, it lacked those, which is kind of cool. Now, originally scientists thought that the tyrannosaurs probably first appeared 
in Asia. They think they appeared in Asia. But now, with the discovery of Tyrannosaurus macriensis, this, it, it suggests that this animal, that, that Tyrannosaurus may have actually first, their origins were North America and not South America. New discoveries are going to give us new insight into that. We'll know later on. We'll know whether or not we find another, uh, maybe we find another Tyrannosaur somewhere. Maybe we find another Tyrannosaur somewhere. It's certainly possible. So um, that's, that's kind of my hope. My hope is going to be that at some point we are going to, um, we're going to find more Tyrannosaurs. And I'm going to say this one more time for the record. I still believe that the largest carnivore is going to be discovered to have lived in the late Jurassic period. I still believe that it is my opinion that an Allosaurid is going to be the biggest carnivore ever found. That's my opinion. Uh, I base that solely off of the size of so many of the prey items in the late Jurassic. The late Jurassic was the time of sauropods. Yes, there were big sauropods in the Cretaceous. The biggest sauropods may have lived in the, in the Cretaceous, but they would not have been the same food source as um, if you lived in the late Jurassic because the late Cretaceous has sauropods. I mean, it has, has uh, ceratopsians and hadrosaurs. And in my opinion, hadrosaurs were the number one food source of tyrannosaurs. You didn't have to be a giant. In fact, you had to be fast for them to be your food source. If you go back to the late Jurassic, there were more sauropods and you needed to be big to take on those brutes. So for now, uh, Tyrannosaurus, the Tyrannosaurs were certainly big. Carcharodontosauruses were big. Spinosaurs were big. And those were all Cretaceous uh, carnivores. But I believe at some point we are going to find a late Jurassic carnivore. That is going to be larger, larger than anything found in the late Cretaceous. Tyrannosaurus macriensis is an amazing animal. I would encourage you to do more research on him. Its name is Tyrannosaurus. That's its first name. Its last name is spelled M-C-R-A-E-E-N-S-I-S. Tyrannosaurus macriensis. For all of you that are listening, when you write the names of dinosaurs... The first name, the genus name, the first letter is capitalized. The species name, that's its second name, its last name, is never capitalized. So the T in Tyrannosaurus is uppercase. The M in Macriensis is lowercase. I only tell you that because as you become, um, as you become paleontologist, I want you to understand the right and wrong way to do it. All right, let me uh, take a little break here and let's answer a couple of questions that were sent to me. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, for those of you that are watching this podcast live, 
for some reason, comments just stopped coming. I suspect it's a connection issue. So if you've been sending me comments, I, I can't read them because it, it froze. And so um, if you have a question you'd like to ask me, you can certainly submit it. I'm just hoping that it will uh, catch up and I'll be able to see it. Like I said, my problem with it is I don't I, I'm unable to see that. Uh, let me just look through here. Yeah, even on my phone, I'm watching it simultaneously on my phone. It seems to have frozen. Okay, so let's answer some questions. Let's go. Uh, here's a question uh, from Arlo who said, can I do an episode on the short-faced bear? You know, that's a, that's an interesting animal. Short-faced bear's name is, is Arctotus simus. It is known as the short-faced bear, and it is a really big, big bear. At the time, it was what we refer to as the bully of the plains. It was a bully. It was absolutely monstrous. Here's another one. Isaiah said, can you do an episode on Ammonites? Now, that's an interesting thing. Ammonites are very interesting. I love Ammonites. I absolutely love them. All right. This is from uh, from the uh, from Kabir, who said, hello, El Stinko. I'm not El Stinko. Stop calling me that. He said, how tall was Therizinosaurus? I want to say Therizinosaurus is 20, maybe 24 to 27 feet tall. Is that right? I don't have any numbers in front of me. I'm doing all this from memory. Uh, I I don't know. I think that's how tall it is. It's a tall dinosaur. I will say that. Its body is upright. It's a biped, so it stands on its back legs. So the, and it has that relatively long neck. So um, so that's uh, I believe that's what uh, I think that's how tall it was. Okay, Ayanch Rex said if T Rex was the king of the dinosaurs, who was the queen? That's a very good question. That's a very good question. The answer is there the king was the queen. Or should I say the queen was the king. The name Tyrannosaurus means tyrant lizard or tyrant reptile. The last name Rex means king. Its name is tyrant lizard king or tyrant reptile king. So that's its name. Whether it is a male or female, it is the king. Now, the the most common, most recent evidence we have about Tyrannosaurus is that the females were larger. So technically, they were the queen of the kings. They were the king of the queens. They were the queen and the king. They were the king, queen, queen, king. They were. I've never been so confused in my life now. But yes, the uh, <laughs> the the king of the dinosaurs would still be the queen of the dinosaurs. Maybe they should find a new species and give it a name queen of the dinosaurs. That would be cool. Maybe there is one. I don't know. There's a thousand dinosaurs. I can't keep up with all of them. Okay. This question came from the uh, Lager family from Sophia. How do scientists or paleontologists find the colors of different dinosaur species? This is a really, really good, um, uh, this is a really, really good question. This is an excellent question. Okay, so how do they find color? There are paleontologists that have figured out that, that there are color pigments in or around the fossils. Those pigments are called melanosomes. You can't see them with your eye. You have to use a scanning electron microscope. But... There's paleontologists that are using lasers. Let me explain what that means, because this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, 
they can shoot a beam of light, a laser beam of light at a fossil. If it hits one of those melanosomes, those color pigments that are still there, it will bounce back to the laser. And by the speed that it bounces back, paleontologists can tell you what the color is. This is incredible. This is incredible information. It's hard to believe, but yes, they can actually look at the color. They can look at the color of dinosaurs because that color pigment remained around the bones and fossil. It's crazy. Let me tell you something. 50 years ago, nobody would have known what color a dinosaur is. But by using that technology, they are able to tell you the color. Now, when you see drawings or artwork, what you are usually seeing is the artist's opinion, rendering, their, their choice for the colors. If you want to see what color a dinosaur is, look up Cetacosaurus. Its name starts with the letter P. Look up Cetacosaurus or Google dinosaur color. You'll ultimately see Cetacosaurus come up. That dinosaur, they were able to tell. I want to say it has a white lower body or gray color, but a darker upper color with a band through the middle. That's camouflage. That helps hide from other animals. They can use color to camouflage. So when you see an artist drawing of a Tyrannosaurus. It is my opinion that I think Tyrannosaurus should be colored striped or spotted like a leopard or cheetah. That's my opinion. I think it's a mistake when you see them as being solid brown or solid gray or solid green. I believe that they needed to break up their silhouette. They needed to be able to hide their body shape so that other carnivores can't see them. You know, during World War II, Ships like battleships and and aircraft carriers had these unusual, well, not aircraft carriers. Battleships had these weird lines all over them. It made it hard for the enemy to figure out where the front or back of that ship was. The reason why aircraft carriers didn't have it is because that would be confusing for the pilots that are trying to land on it. You want to know where the front and the back is of your battleship, of your aircraft carrier. So animals with spots and stripes are there to either hide them or um, break up their silhouette, their outline. So I believe that we should see more stripes. For those of you that follow me on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, I have a project for you. I would like for you to draw a carnivore and give it stripes. Draw a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Draw a Tyrannosaurus Macriensis. But give it stripes like a tiger or spots like a cheetah. I would like to see your rendition of that. So anyway, um, yeah, that's how they are able to tell the color, assuming that the color is actually there. All right. Um, let's see. This is from Oliver Raptor and Cormatoris. Would a T-Rex really shake the ground enough to wake, make water move like in Jurassic Park? Brilliant question. No. No. For two reasons. One is they have pads on their feet, shock absorbers. That stops that. That that tremor but two they wouldn't want to because the worst thing that can they can do is to announce that they're coming now if they're running they definitely are heavy these animals are probably three to seven tons in weight it's like when an elephant runs you can feel it but they don't want it to be that way so just walking in the movie 
the sound effects were cool and it was a great effect, but there is no way on earth, there's absolutely no way on earth that that dinosaur is going to walk with that kind of energy because if it did, it would literally wear out their leg bones, their, 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 uh, the joints, their hip bones, their knee bones, all those things would be ruined if you're applying that sort of pressure that you're stomping so hard that you can make the ground shake and that you can actually cause ripple effects on the water. That's just, that's, that's only for the movie. Look, I don't even think, I don't, I don't even think that sauropods made that kind of ground tremor because of the padding on their feet. So that's a very, very good question. That's really good. Um, uh, and so great question. Okay. Um, also, Oliver Soros uh, also wrote this or Oliver Raptor. I'm sorry. Oliver Raptor has been bothered that his teacher doesn't believe him that birds are dinosaurs. He would like to know how to tell people about it. That doesn't that don't believe them. Also, if birds are dinosaurs. Do they belong to the reptile family? These are excellent questions as well. Okay. All right. So first of all, Yes, birds are scientifically classified as avian dinosaurs. Birds came from the raptor dinosaurs. Birds and raptor dinosaurs are incredibly closely related. Dinosaurs are related to reptiles. So yes, birds have a relationship with reptiles. But that family tree goes so far back, you don't see a lot of, of uh, similarities. But let me explain what those similarities are. Look at the leg of an ostrich. Look at the foot of a chicken. Look at the foot of a bird. You know what it has on it? It has scales. You know where those came from? Their reptilian ancestry. Do you know chickens, when they're in the egg developing, at, there is a time that they have little tiny teeth? But those teeth ultimately dissolve as the animal uh, grows. Those teeth demonstrate the relationship to raptors. Raptors, uh, if you look at monitor lizards, they have very raptor-like teeth. They're curved backwards and they're serrated like those of a, of a Komodo dragon. Those features were handed down through the relationship of reptiles. But we classify birds in a different group. Because they no longer have this enough features for us to put them in the family of reptiles. But they are from the reptile family, ultimately. So what do you say to someone who does not believe you when you say birds are dinosaurs? Here's what I would tell them. There were two groups of dinosaurs. Terrestrial, which lived on land, and avian which are birds. Avian dinosaurs came from the raptor family. They have the same bone structure. They are clearly from the raptor family. The reason why people don't understand that birds are dinosaurs is because they've heard a million times that dinosaurs went extinct at the end of the Cretaceous period. That is true. But the end of the Cretaceous period was the end of the terrestrial dinosaurs that the um, the avian dinosaurs were not eliminated. So I know it's confusing, but what you can tell them is that the skeletal design, 
the skeletal design demonstrates that they are absolutely related, that they are absolutely related. They came from those animals. There's only so much you can do. But what I would recommend you do is to tell them birds are considered avian dinosaurs and they're still alive today. The terrestrial dinosaurs are the ones that did not survive. Okay, those are great questions. Um, I wish I had time to jump over into the Facebook group page, but because I'm doing a live broadcast, that's all I can see is the live broadcast. I can't read the questions, but I will read them on an upcoming uh, podcast. All right, I got a few more minutes. Let's do a couple of... Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, let's take a look. This comes from Maxosaurus Rex, who wants to know who would win, a saber-toothed cat versus Spinosaurus. Well, this is, this is an interesting one. Now, the Spinosaurus has size, tremendous size, and its teeth are so long that one bite into a saber-toothed cat would probably puncture internal organs. So one bite could do a tremendous amount of damage and would probably end the fight immediately. With saber-toothed cats, it has speed and agility, and it does have those big, long canines. But the problem is this. The thickness of the hide or the skin of a Spinosaurus and the amount of distance between the outer skin and the inner internal organs is so great that I don't think a saber-toothed cat could bite deep enough to cause enough of a wound to win this battle. I believe that Spinosaurus would win this battle pretty handedly. Okay, David Raptor wants to know who would win between an Allosaurus versus five Velociraptors versus Spinosaurus. Interesting. The Velociraptors don't stand a chance. I can tell you now they're not going to last. Yeah, they, they're so quick. It's going to be hard for either of those big predators to catch them. But because they are so small, you don't have to bite them to wipe them out. You can step on them, kick them with your foot, or hit them with a tail if that's if they can lower that tail low enough. So the Velociraptors may be quick, but they could never inflict enough injury. It would be like a wolf versus an elephant. A wolf is so fast, the elephant just never going to catch him. But no matter how fast the wolf is, it can't do any real damage. It can keep biting it, but it's not going to do any real damage. So that then leaves us with Allosaurus and Spinosaurus. Now, this is an interesting battle. Allosaurus was one of the top predators, if not the top predator of its time, and Spinosaurus is a monster as well. Allosaurus spends its time hunting big game. Spinosaurus appears to spend its time hunting fish and aquatic reptiles. Well, aquatic reptiles like turtles don't necessarily fight back, so it is a different method of hunting. You're just grabbing and hanging on. Allosaurus has to figure out how to get around weapons and defenses. Therefore, it is my opinion that Allosaurus has an advantage with that. Now, they both have relatively long arms with big claws. They could both do a lot of damage with those claws. So that sort of evens them out. I guess if there's one deciding factor, it's going to be this. 
My favorite dinosaur is Allosaurus. Therefore, Allosaurus wins every battle. I know that's not fair, but that's just what I came up with. (laughs) But that's a good one. I like that one a lot. That's very good. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Velasa Zander says, um, uh, T-Rex versus a pack of prehistoric dire wolves. This is interesting, but this goes back to the same thing I was just saying. T-Rex is so big and so powerful that the dire wolves are so quick. He's going to have a hard time catching any of them. But all he has to do is kick one or step on one to slowly wipe out that pack. So in my opinion, even though there's many versus one, who they verse is simply too difficult. Okay, Jude from Chicago would like to know who would win. A crocodile against Dinosuchus. Crocodile versus crocodile. The difference is the size. Dinosuchus is gigantic. He's a gigantic version of a crocodilian. And therefore, it is going to win pretty handily because it is so much bigger and its body armor is so much thicker that I don't think a modern crocodile could bite through that of the hide and armor of a Dinosuchus. That's a good one. Nathan Asaurus says two Allosaurus versus one Triceratops. I like this one a lot because here's the deal. Those Allosauruses are good at hunting, but they've never come across a Triceratops. Triceratops lives with Tyrannosaurus rex. One T-Rex certainly is a massive predator to contend with. Two Allosauruses, they have an advantage because one could get behind the Triceratops where it isn't protected. But Triceratops could turn very quickly, very, very quickly. I believe... Allosauruses would be outclassed in this battle. I just finished telling you Allosaurus always wins, but I have to be honest. I believe Allosaurus, the two of them, are outclassed. Here's another thing. One of the things that they hunted, what Allosaurus hunted, was stegosaurs and sauropods, both of which their weapons are their tail. Allosauruses have to be very careful about ever attacking from behind. Allosauruses may not recognize that the weaponry on Triceratops is the front. They may assume it's like all other battles they've ever had, and that is trying to stay away from the backside. So maybe it doesn't give them an advantage. Therefore, it is my opinion that uh, um, that it is uh, it's going to be the Triceratops. All right, this is inter- interesting. Magasaurus Rex says Tyrannosaurus Rex. Versus Tyrannosaurus macriensis. This is a this is a good one. Timing is perfect, right? Absolutely perfect. Okay. When you look at things from a long time ago, they are usually not as good as the things from today. Now, what I'm talking about is animal behavior. But the same thing is true with computers or phones or cars or planes. Those from 100 years ago, talking about cars, were not anywhere near as efficient or good as modern ones. Do do you guys know that the first mobile cellular phone, I had one of the first, do you know that it was a big box about the size of a briefcase It had a phone receiver with a cord that went down into the box. And that's what you use to make phone calls. My phone was you. I made phone calls with that 
Now I just pick up my phone to my ear, right? My phone, my phone simply goes right up to your ear and you're ready to go. But that's not the way it worked. The old fashioned ones where the phone was on a cord, the part you listened and spoke into, and the actual phone itself was in a box. Well, that's not like that today. So when you look at Tyrannosaurus macriensis and you look at Tyrannosaurus rex, The advantage all goes to Tyrannosaurus rex. Even though these two dinosaurs were probably close to the same size, the newest is almost always the best. Because remember earlier I talked about the changes within an environment and how animals will adapt to those changes? Well, that's true with Tyrannosaurus rex. It changed over time to become what it is today. All right, my friends, that is it for this podcast. To everybody that had a birthday, if you are a member of the Tyrannosaurus Rex Club and Patreon, I apologize so profusely for for failing to give your shout out. I am so sorry. And by the way, someone mentioned that on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. That's how I became aware of it. I had to go back and listen to all the previous podcasts to see, and they were correct. So, um... To all of you, I apologize for missing your birthday. If you would like to become a Patreon Club member, go to my website, DinosaurGeorge.com, and click on the Patreon Club, and that will take you there. I certainly appreciate the support. It helps me to be able to continue to do more podcasts. Something else that I might start to do is I might start to stream live through YouTube because I think you can make a donation to the video. Like, if you want to Give me a dollar or 50 cents or whatever. I think you can do that. And that would help me as well. I don't like turning this into the money-making machine where I'm making money off of everybody. I don't like that part. But it's part of reality that for me to to take time out of my day to do this, I, I have to be compensated. And right now, Patreon does that. For everybody out there, be kind to each other. Take care of yourselves, but take care of the people around you. Tell your family you love them. Moms and dads want to hear it, even if your dad never says it because some men don't think saying I love you is is a manly thing to do. They want to hear it. I guarantee you because I'm a manly. (laughs) Take care, everybody. I will see you. Take care. Listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.